SBF got arrested. It's such a great day. Turns out his 4D chess was just him playing checkers. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Bankless Nation, happy third Friday of December. David, what time is it? Ryan, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere into the frontier, into the end of the year, nonetheless. How are you doing? Yeah. Uh, I'm doing great, man. It's going to be good to close this one out this year, that is. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about this roll up. And David, I, I think you're, you're, are you wearing your SpongeBob uh, sweater? Yeah, I haven't seen you in that for high, a while. High Fashion Friday. High Fashion All right. Friday. That feels yeah. like a good kind of like holiday sweater. Yeah. It looks comfy, mm-hmm. looks like pretty relaxing. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling, man? You feeling okay? You feeling relaxed? Dude, I think I'm pretty, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really okay. good. Uh, I mean, we all know how bad this year was, but. Uh, I think that we are uh, on the precipice of good stuff because of what happened this week. SBF got arrested this week, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. I started I started December saying that De- December is the best month. SBF got arrested. Uh, the the that. redemption arc of Three Arrows Capital is coming to a close. People are having none of that. Uh, and so we're going to cover all of this news and more. In addition to that, Binance is seeing all-time high outflows. Is a run on the bank happening with Binance? Are we about to do this all over again? Or is this just happening in an abundance of caution? People going bankless. We'll talk about that. What else we got, Ryan? We also have um, one of the best investigative journalists, or so we thought, called The Block. It turns out that was secretly owned by SPF. Yeah. Like, what a Mastercraft villain uh, we're dealing with. So we, we talk about that. That hit me pretty hard on Friday. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit. And also, David... I'm hearing some rumblings. I'm hearing some things about the world's greatest NFT drop in history. Who is who is dropping an NFT? Oh, we're, we can't tease that. We can't tease that now. But let me just tell you, Ryan, it's a big, big deal. The world <laughs> has never seen an NFT drop this fantastic. We're going to make NFTs great again. Folks, let me tell you, NFTs are the future of digital ownership based on the most advanced technology out there, blockchain. And we're going to drop the biggest any, NFTs anyone has ever seen more later in in the show david did you get any comments about your uh, trump impression from last r- last roll-up you know I, uh, positive the, or negative the, the scammy youtube comments absolutely like the, the bot farms that are also on youtube dr- kind of drowned out all the youtube comments last week i didn't i didn't get any comments but uh, okay. I'm, I'm coming well, for maybe I'm this coming week. for round two he's coming fishing for, for it all right because uh, i bet if you could guess who that was who david was in person you probably have a clue on who's dropping an nft oh as fresh God. as of today all right well let's uh, get in let's talk about markets today bitcoin what are we looking at on the week give us the price data we got a, a flat week ryan bitcoin uh, it ended up up 0.7 percent start of the week at 17260 ending the week at 17380 so 0.7 percent up all right um neither higher nor lower very much just kind of flat ish uh eth as well same same uh down a little bit down 1.1 percent start of the week at 1285 ending the week at 1270 got up to 1330 on the uh, positive cpi print um but then fell back down uh, you down know 1.8 percent part of the reason david percent I'm feeling, um, uh, I guess, rejuvenated coming to this episode versus some of the others in like November is uh, we had that ETH Bulls episode that we did. This is an episode that's coming at you on December 26th, all about Ether. It's an ETH Bull panel that we do about every six six months, and this one was especially good. This one was so good. (laughs) Uh, But I remember something that the DC investor made the point, look, we are still below 2018 all-time highs for Mm. ETH, right? Mm what's interesting is like he he put out this tweet a few uh weeks ago which said like i didn't buy at 80 but i bought at 120 this is during you know mm-hmm. uh 20 
20, I guess, but mm-hmm. you know, bear market. And he's like, there's no difference. There's literally no difference. Don't between remember the, the difference, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. It's like, that's kind of what the numbers look like now. Only it's 10x different. Mm-hmm. Like our low for Ether was about 800 or so. It's eight, yep. high 800s, really. And then now we're at like 12, uh, 1200s, 1300s, mm-hmm. right? The Delta is the same. So, and we're below 2018. We're below the last all-time high. So yep. I'm not saying ETH is looking juicy at these prices, but uh, the ETH bulls certainly are, and they will right. be on the t- on the 26th when that episode releases. And uh, yeah, it just seems like a good time to keep dollar cost averaging in. Yeah, and the point of that tweet was that like when Ether hit $80, like it didn't stay there. It bounced right back up. And so he was just reminding people, it was like, hey, you don't have to time the Pico bottom. Yes. Buying at $120 ETH just kind of blurred together with buying the $80 ETH. I made uh, so many mistakes when I was a noob just like watching the charts and trying to time the the pico right. bottom when i should have just been like dollar cost, cost averaging, averaging in during yeah. the bear market yeah uh all yeah. right let's talk about the ratio what's that looking like david uh ratio down 1.8 percent down from 0. 0.0745 to 0. 0.073 uh down 1.8 percent holding up though holding mm-hmm. up and bitcoin and eth down from all-time highs they're about neck and neck aren't they yeah yeah they're about the same mm-hmm. like 76 77 percent something yeah, like that exactly. um crypto market cap total are we above or below a trillion dollars david still below a trillion dollars uh 885 billion dollars about flat on the week good question that we asked vitalik by the way in our episode we recorded that's coming at you monday was basically like will crypto ever be a you know multi-trillion dollar asset class again or will mm-hmm. it forever be a niche right. you had a really fascinating answer to that question yeah, so. premium subs already have that podcast oh uh, yeah you do or at least go check your, out in a few hours yeah go mm-hmm. check your premium rss feed for that it's a fantastic podcast all right should we talk about uh do our fed watch talk fed about watch. macro for a bit gotta watch the fed Two things happened this week, David. Um, the first is we got some CPI numbers, mm-hmm. and that is inflation, of course, consumer price index. They came in lower than was expected. So that Hooray! is good news. Hooray! Good news. We are excited about that, and, mm-hmm. and you can kind of see this over time. This is the chart from uh, of CPI changes from 2015 all the way to 2021. You see the peak? That peak mm-hmm. was around like June-ish mm-hmm. or so. And uh, we're down off the peak. So I think the official numbers are something like this, David. Um, June was 9.1%. That was the high for the year. Now, November, 7.1%. The numbers fall off. And previous month, October was 7.7%. Uh, core inflation, obviously, also down. Core inflation is like a subset of the main CPI number. That's another uh, number to track independently. So that happened. And the question is, is inflation over? Maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. The other thing that happened, David, is the Fed raised rates. So the federal fund rates, that's the interest rate, is now in a range of 4.25% to 4.5%. So the Fed Powell raised it by another half a percent. That was basically as expected. The market yeah. anticipated that. And so um, this is lower than the previous increases. The last couple of raises have been by 0.75%, and this was half a percent instead. Uh, and if you look at kind of the the predict like the markets, the prediction markets, the, the the target rate right now is people are thinking the market's thinking the rate's going to be about five percent in 2023. Uh, so we might get one or two more hikes that are expected in that range. And by 2024, the market is saying the rates will drop down to 4.1%. So that is what the average person thinks. And so I think there's like two questions here. Um, the first question is, has inflation peaked? All right, has inflation peaked? What's your take on that? Do you think we've inflation's peaked? Do you think CPI is kind of over and 
um, you know, the intervention by the Fed and a combination of re- relaxation of the supply chain issues that, that mm-hmm. we were facing uh, over the past two years are kind of over. And so we've hit the peak and it, it, we're going to be fine from here. What do you think? So if you want to go back to that chart that you were just showing that shows the inflation chart, uh, the inflation peaked in June, 9.1%, September 8.2%, October 77 November this month 7.1%. So clearly we are in a downtrend. And while it's totally possible that it just reverses and keeps on going up in a way that we don't like, that is on the menu. But uh, it is worth noting that the more that we progress forward in time, the more the interest rates that the Fed has increased in recent uh, in 2022 starts to take effect. When you raise interest rates as the Fed, that takes time to ripple out. Uh, it takes time for the effects of having to pay back money at a faster rate reaches the margins as it uh, reaches the all, all of the economy. So the like CPI longer, is a lagging indicator. Is exactly, what you're exactly. And so the Fed has been raising rates all throughout the year. Uh, and so there are the last one, two, three times instances that the Fed has raised interest rates that has not shown up in the CPI print yet. And so there are many instances of the Fed's raising rates that has not shown up that will continue to have an increased effect on inflation. So I think it's one of those questions. Are we are we peaked? Have we peaked? The longer that it goes on, where we are not going up, obvious, I mean, this is a really, really simple way <laughs> to put this. bankless analysis here. Exactly. The more that it's not going up, the more likely it is that it is peaked. And we are in almost, like, I mean, June, we're in December now, yeah, so we have the November down. print. Like, we almost have six months in a row of decreasing inflation. So, I mean, it's looking better. It's looking pretty good. Yeah. Well, and then also just like there's been a longer time bef- bef- when there's been any news about uh, the Russian invasion. There's been I haven't seen much about supply chains. So like the global macro news cycle at least seems to be like quelling uh, for like six ish months in a row now. So like we're trending in an acceptable direction. Well, this professor at University of uh, Michigan over at Econ, Justin Wolfers, agrees with you. He says this mm-hmm. in his tweet, core CPI rose by only 0.2% in November, which is yet another positive disinflationary surprise. Headline C- CPI rose only 0.1% in the month, also below expectations. This is remarkably good news, he says, for mm-hmm. the second month in a row. Inflation has clearly peaked. Inflation has clearly peaked. So much so that brings us to kind of the next question of the analysis is when when can the Fed stop raising? It's a question, right? And uh, we have politicians saying that they should stop now, that they've already gone too far. Uh, this is a tweet from Elizabeth Warren saying, the Federal Reserve's Chair Powell has just announced another extreme interest rate hike while forecasting higher unemployment. I've been warning that Chair Powell's Fed would throw millions of Americans out of work, and I fear he's already on the path to doing so. I'm not sure what Elizabeth Warren's response to inflation would be. Do we just let it run? But that aside, there's clearly some posturing, some pressure to not let these interest rate hikes trigger a recession. That would also be a bad thing, and politicians are increasing the pressure. So maybe that is... um, a, a reason, this political pressure for the Fed to uh, to reverse course and change course earlier. I'm just kind of triggered that Elizabeth Warren is trying to tweet at the Federal Reserve to influence monetary policy. Like Elizabeth Warren is a politician, not an economist. Uh, our, our friend Kyla, if you scroll down, Ryan, I'm pretty sure has the most liked tweet in response to this. Where she responds to uh, Elizabeth Warren and says, this is an incredibly irresponsible thing to tweet, which I agree <laughs> with. Like, let's not politi- can we stop politicizing our monetary policy? Uh, that is bad. 
Uh, but I don't think we can, David, is the answer to your question. I think mm. no. And it's interesting you said uh, trying to influence the, the Fed. One observation I have, we might get into this a little bit later with some other politicians' tweets, is uh, you said the word influence. Mm. I think all politicians are influencers now. <laughs> I mean, this is like a, look, uh, we know the game. We see it in crypto Twitter all the time. This is a, a clout chasing type tweet. You're not necessarily wanting the Fed to actually stop. It's not that you actually think it's a good idea. Mm. You're kind of trying to collect the clout. You're just being a populist? Uh, There's an element of that, certainly. And that is the game that they're playing. Now, Powell, the game that he's playing, is he's still saying that there is a ways to go. He's not responding to this political pressure. So uh, continues to plan to increase interest rates. This is a quote from him. We still have some ways to go. He told a press conference that was on Wednesday. Uh, I wouldn't see us considering rate cuts until the committee is confident that inflation is moving down to 2% in a sustained way. Restoring price stability will likely require maintaining a restrictive policy stance for some time. Restrictive policy stance for for some time, not going to stop till we hit 2%. Where are we, David? 7%? Mm -hmm. There's a delta there. Um, Other people are saying, hey, 2%? Powell, what's so bad about 3%? We can live with yeah. that in a post-COVID era. And that is the slippery slope he kind of, um, yeah, I guess, finds himself in in this type of, uh, in this type of climate. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that I think that's right, and I think there was a big conversation around uh, the S and P and the stock market, and we're also seeing this in the crypto markets as well, where we got the the lower than expected inflation, and markets markets rallied. That's when Ether get, got all the way up to the high high price of thirteen thirty, uh, and Bitcoin jumped as well. Uh, the stock market jumped, and then everything came right back down to where it was. Uh, and so, and then that bummed people out. It's like, yo, I thought this was good news. Like, why didn't we sustain this rally? Uh, and the conversations I've heard around this are all about, well, it's hard to sustain rallies when interest rates are high. And right. so like, okay, maybe we're not going to dump, but like having, uh, going up in price sustainably requires flows of buy pressure into these assets, into these risk on assets. And, like, okay, we got this good news, we got this dopamine hit, but sustaining a rally when interest rates are as high as they are at four and a half percent, and like that's a bigger ask. And so some people have, I mean, it's they're not turning bearish, but it's hard to be optimistic when we can't sustain a rally because of, you know, well, there's, there's still... Yeah, there's still some work to, and especially when it's still uncertain. Like we don't really know. If, you know, okay, so here's an interesting stat. A year ago at this time, if you're trying to predict what the Fed's going to do next, the the Fed themselves predicted in December 2021 when asked what the Fed Fed funds rate would be at the end of 2022. So a year ago, they were projecting the end of 2022. Uh, Do you know what their projection said, David? Tell me. (laughs) 0.9%. All right. We're at at 4.5%. And they thought we would be at 0.9%. That's the FOMC projections. Do you know what their their forecast for inflation was? The beginning uh, of last year, the end of last two, year? 2%? Yeah. Exactly what their target was? 2.6%. <laughs> Actually, it's been it's 7.1% um to date. So, Oof. look, um I don't know, it's, it's just also clear to me that uh you you can't always believe what the Fed is projecting. They're just like yeah, kind of doing the math. Yeah, they're just extrapolating the existing right. data of what they want to happen uh, right. always. Um, anyway, that's that's what's happening in macro right now. What's happening in the uh, the housing market though, David? 
Yeah, well, it's, it's still a, a macro conversation. There's an article out of Zero Hedge uh, here that, that caught my eye, which the headline was, 9 million millennials moved back at home in with their parents this year. Uh, and I think uh, during COVID, a lot of innovation, a lot of uh, millennials, you know, got out of their parents' home and to go like do stuff. Uh, and then the Fed jacks up the interest rates and we're seeing 9 million millennials moving back home. I think that about they, there was a poll inside of the article that was like, all right, why did you move it? And it was all because of the economy. It was like a job insecurity, wanting to save money, can't afford rent. Uh, I so mean, millennials, sad. they fi- they finally got out of their parents' home from like the 2008 crash. And now, like, right. hey, mom, dad, I'm, I'm coming right. back. <laughs> on the backs of that, there's also this uh, chart I saw uh, on Twitter this week about a uh, rising share of companies with debt servicing costs that are higher than profits. And of course, when you increase interest rates, if you have debt, you have to pay that debt back higher because the interest rates are going up. Therefore, there's a lot of companies out there that have debts. That, and as the interest rates go up and up and up, a higher and higher share of them are making less profit than they have available to send uh, to pay back their debts, to service their own debts. Right now, Ryan, we are at... Almost 20% of companies inside of the United States with debt servicing costs that are higher than profits. Wow. That seems like a large number. You can't sustain that forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, high interest rates are the zombie killer. That mm-hmm. is like the stake through the head. Right. Uh, so I guess that has wait, to work its way through wait, the system too. No, that's not the right metaphor. High Stay interest rates are, are create the zombies. They create them, but they, then they also like kill the... I guess the zombies can't be killed is the thing, no, right? Yeah, the zombie, yes. One, you, you go from being a human to a zombie because okay. of interest rates. I see. <laughs> I'm just seeing a world where all of these firms, like, they become, they're not even reanimated corpses. They're just dead. They're just yeah. gone. Well, yeah, because- so that's when unemployment, they, like, people lay people off, unemployment goes up. Uh, that's when this, this goes from uh, rising interest rates and a bear market to rising interest rates and uh, depression. Yep. Uh, and deflation the D word. Careful, careful careful i'm not ready for that sorry yet. recession recession okay we'll, we'll stick with that um give us some crypto takes though okay what does this mean? On, on to crypto ch- take so so this is now about the uh, asset prices of ether and btc versus some of the uh, darlings that were of the second half of the bull market the second half of 2020 uh 2021 and this is a take from van spencer uh, looking back through the fog of war, the data points that are revealed today uncover the pieces of the puzzle from last year. If FTX was selling client ETH and BTC to buy Solana FTT serum, this has large implications about what organic ETH and Bitcoin price action would have looked like. Uh, and so this is the conversation that's been going on. It's like, oh, billions of inflows, billions of Bitcoin and Ether inflows into FTX, into Sam Bakeman Fried slush fund. Where did they go? They uh, a significant amount of uh, those inflows probably went into the Sam coins, Solana, FTT, Serum. Remember when Sam tweeted out, "Sell me all your soul at three dollars and then f off." Well, probably why he was so confident in that is because he was taking customer deposits and buying all of his bags with them. Uh, and so there's a, a broader conversation that the current that the industry is currently having as to how legitimate some of the price action was in these highly illiquid alt layer one Sam coins, Solana, FTT. Serum, and that has second order effects. Like, why are things like Aptos and Sui have insane billion dollar valuations? Well, they rode on the backs of the valuations that Solana got. And so, because Solana's price action was absolutely insane, it created the alt layer one investment, like VC coin investment mania to try and ride on the backs of that. So, Van Spencer is saying, 
this whole the whole second half of the 2021 bull market was fraudulent because it was propped up by this like illicit Ill- illegal fraudulent buying pressure of customer in- inflows of bitcoin and ether into ftx and then sam bankman free just propping them up and so his second tweet is saying that the absence of a fraudulent seller of bitcoin and eth on the order of tens of billions of dollars the additional absent fraudulent buyer of solana again on the order books of tens of billions of dollars implies very different things about these ecosystems going forward and then he ties this thing off and says the alt layer one thesis of yesteryear was essentially an intellectual framework built around the first mover Solana, whose initial price ap- appreciation appears to be driven by Sam Bankman frieds fraud. In my opinion, this is extremely damaging to the narrative that any alt layer one price action was organic. Oof! What a what a, a, a damning a, autopsy of the second half of 2021. It's I look. I think there's merit to this. I, mm-hmm. um, the, the run up of alt layer ones, all of them, uh, against ETH and Bitcoin did not make sense to me at the time. It was very confusing. And retrospectively, if people like Sam, well, Sam in particular was actually using depositors funds, ETH and Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and using those funds to actually sell those mm-hmm. assets and mm-hmm. exchange them for Solana and some other Sam coins. Which he was wow. using as collateral, by the way. So he had to do that. Like, where did he get such a massive line of collateral? Well, he had collateralized FTT and collateralized sold to, to borrow a ton. Yeah. I mean, the price charts now, they make more sense to me because mm-hmm. like you could see definitely some demand for these ecosystems, but it felt inorganic the entire right. time. And so Vance, uh, in our most recent podcast with Vance a few months ago, he called the, the 2021 bull market, the first half, the high conviction rally, and the second half, the low conviction rally. And so Vance already, his intuition was already like, there's a difference here. There's a difference in these moments. I just also want to call attention to people who have um, been right for a long mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. um, Vance Spencer is one of those people to me. Like he, he kind yeah. of is starting to fit in a Chris Berninski camp for yeah. me of like oh these are voices mm-hmm. i i actually will listen to you why because they're they've they're proven over time and they've been yeah. right enough times and yeah. so this is a signal that um uh, th- that i often Vance use and i think you could be right here coming up next in the show spf got arrested it's such a great day <laughs> turns out his 4d chess was just him playing checkers ladies and gentlemen we got him uh and after we'll cover all of that we're going to talk about the run on binance or not nah? We'll get to some of the details, how much Bitcoin and how much stable coins are actually outflowing out of Binance. We got the numbers. And of course, Sam bankman frieds last insult to the industry, secretly buying a cherished media organization. No, not bankless. Um, and, <laughs> and just really kicking us on his way out. Uh, so all of that and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless. Ryan, SPF is in jail. How's that make you feel? Well, I was surprised, mm. actually, because... What doesn't make sense to me, David, is the whole like, aw shucks, I, gee, I didn't know anything about this speaking tour that he's been on, mm-hmm. Good Morning America. And I was mm-hmm. like, what does this guy know that we don't? Does right. he have some kind of a get out of jail free card? Does he have some sort of bulletproof armor? We don't know. And so I was surprised. Uh, I'm not sure that much more makes sense. Um, su- surprised, but also like relieved. Like, oh, cool. You know, uh, you actually can't escape from accountability mm-hmm. after stealing 10 billion of you know dollars of, of money no matter who you pay off um so it made me feel kind of good to actually see uh, some accountability here how about you is that why you're wearing your spongebob uh, sweater Cele- celebratory 
Yeah, man. I mean, like it's like I've been saying, you got to be happy and optimistic, even though we're at the bottom because we're at the bottom. Uh, and so when somebody like SBF gets arrested, it's like, man, we are turning a new page. Uh, the seller that sold all of our tokens is in jail. The seller is in jail. Uh, so that makes me happy. That's something worth being happy about. Like, look at that guy just getting escorted into a car by a bunch of Bahamian uh, policemen. That That's is where he a, was arrested, right? In, great, the Bahamas. Yeah, in, the, in the Bahamas. Yeah. This is uh, footage. Yeah. Crazy that like he look didn't. At this. Look how many people they sent. Yeah. They sent they sent a lot of policemen. What yeah. did they expect? I mean, this, this is like uh, pff, almost a dozen. Yeah, yeah, at, at least in this one shot. Yeah. From from what we can tell. Uh, and so, okay, so, so here's what happened. Uh, the Bahamian regulators, the Bahamian authorities released a statement. On December 12th, the Office of the Attorney General of the Bahamas is announcing the arrest by the Royal Bahamas Police Force of SBF, of FTX. SBF's arrest followed the receipt of formal notification from the United States that it has filed criminal charges against SBF and is likely to request his extradition. So the United States has filed charges against Sam. And as a result of that, they have not yet requested his extradition, but you could only assume. And so because that he is being charged by the United States, uh, the Bahaman police arrested him. Okay, so he's arrested. He's in jail in the Bahamas, yet to be extradited. Um, does, is there like bail? Does he have the ability to make bail? Has he tried that? I mean, he's, I know he has a, only 100000 in his account, uh, <laughs> Allegedly. So he says. Allegedly. But um, what, what's that looking like? Uh, yeah, no bail for Mr. SBF. If he, if he wanted to flee to a country that didn't have an extradition treaty with the United States, that window has officially closed. Uh, and so he will uh, officially be judged inside the United States uh, by a court. Um, unlike, by the way, Thero's Capital, who is in a country with no uh, with no extradition treaty. So uh, SBF has been charged with wire fraud, wire fraud conspiracy, securities fraud, securities fraud conspiracy, and money laundering. That's a lot. That's a lot of things. <laughs> That's a lot of things. Uh, so yeah, the- if you are interested, uh, if uh, you are tallying up the years for if he is guilty for all of those things, if he char- becomes guilty for all of, the, of those things, that is life. That's life in prison. If he max gets, charge, I max charge. I, I, it's like something like 120 years or something like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so not not anyway. life in prison, but 120 years. Uh, so the rest of his life. Yeah, that of course is max charge, is though, max which charge. is hardly ever He's happens. Not yet guilty for those. Look, there was some discussion around this, and I don't I don't know. Uh, one of the conspiracy theories when he was arrested, uh, the, like the night he was arrested, was mm-hmm. that well, he was supposed to appear in Congress the very next day. Mm-hmm. So maybe this was some kind of block f- right. from him appearing in Congress. He was uh, going to testify in in a in a hearing, but he that was voluntary. Is there any substance to that? Do you think that there's still some shenanigans going on with like, oh, this is the way to get him out of testifying in front of I Congress? Don't, that does that take doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's <laughs> like the worst now, thing. That now he has to, to like swear under oath in a court of law about what happened rather than a willing like and yeah. volunteer testimony. Like whatever. <laughs> that take didn't make sense to me. There's another take which is like, uh, oh, clearly Caroline ratted him out. Yeah, uh, and yeah. has some sort of plea bargain. Mm-hmm. Now that, that that makes more sense to me, but mm-hmm. I, I have no evidence that that's true. Do you well, have any she was, thoughts on that? She, she was seen in New York, blocks away from the Attorney General's office, um, like oh, two yeah. weeks in ago, like a Starbucks or in a, a Starbucks or something. Yeah, and so then huh. and then then uh, crypto Twitter deduced that that particular Starbucks or some bakery or whatever uh, just was, up my was just croissant. like eight <laughs> blocks away from like the Attorney General's office. So like yeah, picking up a croissant and routing out her. 
business partner. I mean, <laughs> wow. remember, like one at least one of these people is a complete psychopath, uh, and so at least. <laughs> Probably. At least. And so, uh, and so when it comes time to not go to jail, somebody pr- is going to like burn that dilemma. Yeah, exactly. uh, come yeah. on. Like we, we know, we know what this is already. <laughs> That's it. That makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and remind people, Caroline was the CEO of Alameda, right? Exactly. She CEO was, of okay. Alameda. Yeah. Uh, allegedly, uh, SBF's short term girlfriend and also fellow Adderall consumer. Not only is he being invested, uh, put in jail and under charge for the financial crimes you listed. But the CFTC has a bone to pick with him too. It's all kind of co-releasing on the same day. Another mm-hmm. set of charges from the Commodities Futures and Trading Commission. What is this? Yeah, they are suing Sam Bankman-Fried, FTX Trading, FTX.com, and Alameda Research against the CFTC uh, for all for commodities fraud. Yeah, so uh, SDNY is also suing uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. They uh, had their indictment that was just unsealed the morning after they uh, arrested him, charging Sam with four counts of wire fraud, two accounts of commodities fraud, one account of money laundering, and one count of campaign vi- <laughs> finance violation. Wow. Uh, pro- probably more than that. So eight total counts. Uh, yeah, that guy is going to jail. Did you know, Ryan, that uh, in apparently in the FTX inner circles on Signal, there was a group chat. Uh, called that they had titled wire fraud and they were using it to send secret information about operations in the lead up to the company's spectacular wait a, a group chat between uh sam F- sam and a bunch FTX of other insiders FTX, and they decided it was called wire fraud they, they, as a haha funny joke exactly yes they just titled it How wire I, fraud which <laughs> is probably where they did the wire fraud i mean that's going to be obviously presented in court it's like <laughs> this is a bunch of a your bunch honor of i it didn't really, know Look, okay, so here's the take. It's just, it really was a whole bunch of children, David. It was like, a bunch of children. Here's, there was it's a lot so of, so there's some speculation that turned out not to be true. One one piece of speculation so far anyways was that this guy's going to get away with it completely because mm-hmm. he paid off the politicians and he bought the media institutions and he bribed everyone and so he'll never go to jail, right? That was one take. Mm-hmm. Well, my thought was just like, we should wait a little bit. We've mm-hmm. waited a little bit and now here he is in jail. So that doesn't seem to be playing out. The other right. take was that SBF with his media tour, he's playing some kind of 40 chess where he's trying to garner public support. He's trying to like uh, gain sympathy. And he, this is why he went on Good Morning America and did that. Like Bloomberg, he showed up in a, you know, um, a Wall Street Journal, CNBC interview, like the week after all of these things, it just wasn't making sense. So people were like, he's playing 40 chess. David, I think we can say at this point, this man was not playing 4D chess. He is a child. He is a kid. He got in way over his head. He had no idea what the F he was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and now he's in jail. And that yeah. is the, like, the conclusion of that, in my opinion. I can't believe it, though, mm-hmm. that um, we let a child manage yeah. billions mm-hmm. of, of, uh, like, of crypto's capital. Like yeah. we gave him all of these, pro- like, I don't mean yep. you and I, but like the industry writ large. We gave this child access to our private keys what a massive mistake that turned out to be yeah whoops uh well lesson learned uh and (laughs) at at least my faith in society and justice is restored at least we are not as a society totally completely corrupt although all of the like very sketchy uh terrible investigative journalism that was done by mainstream media i think we could go back and, and cast another eye on why the hell that happened but at least our justice system was not duped by this fraud uh which is the important thing that is important as well. And so there are some hearings going on 
uh, on Capitol Hill as well. Should we turn into this one from uh, Representative Tom Emmer, who's been on the Bankless podcast before? Yeah, let's let's hear what Tom Emmer has to say. Uh, and Mr. Ray, I appreciate you mentioning uh, your concerns in the beginning of my questioning about the concentration of power in a small group of individuals with no oversight. That is the exact problem that open and permissionless technology like crypto and blockchain solve. It solves for the problems of centralization. You stated in your testimony that you've never seen such a, quote, utter failure of corporate controls at every level of an organization, from the lack of financial statements to a complete failure of any internal controls or governance whatsoever, close quote. FTX had disastrous or even non-existent systems for accounting, audit, cash management, cybersecurity, human yep. resources, risk management, and other unacceptable management practices that currently make your job to uncover the facts quite difficult. Fortunately, the immutable characteristics of public blockchains that some people would care not to understand in this committee allowed yes. the crypto community to reveal Sam Bankman-Fried's fraud and the on-chain public record will assist law enforcement moving forward. I encourage my colleagues to understand Sam Bankman-Fried's con for what it is, a failure of centralization, a failure of business ethics, and a crime. It is not a failure of technology. I've worked across the aisle since I came to Congress, so the future of crypto reflects American values, the same way the Internet does today. For the most engaged members of Congress on crypto policy, the FTX collapse remind us of why we care so deeply about this technology. Decentralization is the point. Thank you. And I yield there we go. My God. That's how I am. Decentralization hot is wow. the point. I'm pretty right. sure I remember a few of us tweeting that out during the middle <laughs> of the bull market. Well, he's paying attention. I mean, guys, mm-hmm. remember Tom Emmer has been on the podcast. We've had this conversation with mm-hmm. him. This is this is him on Capitol Hill talking about it. That was um the the former former CEO of FTX. Was that John mm-hmm. John Ray? Yeah. That, mm-hmm. Who was a, yeah. kind of uh, the witness on the stand there? All right, David, this is Tom Emmer again, this time on the SEC. You ready for this clip? Yeah. Oh my God, it's so good. We know that uh, Chair Gensler had more meetings with FTX than anyone else in the crypto industry. We understand that what was being negotiated was a framework for digital asset exchange registration and token registration with the SEC that would benefit both parties. It would expand the SEC's jurisdiction in exchange for the SEC's preferential treatment of FTX over other industry participants. We understand there was a lot of activity to move this idea forward, including the circulation of draft short-form disclosures that would enable filers to get tokens listed on this newly formed bespoke exchange. Mr. Ray, I know you're handicapped with the information you currently have obtained, but Chair Gensler refuses to answer our questions or testify before this committee. Will you commit to sharing with this committee any internal documents you come across regarding communication between FTX and Mr. Gensler or others at the SEC? We'll fully cooperate you know, with uh, the committee and the regulatory authorities with respect to our investigation. Again, specifically, I just want copies. Of this committee will want copies of those communications we to the cer- extent they exist. We can certainly work with your staff to get you what you need. Oh. Certainly work Damning. with your staff to get Damning. you what you need. Oh. 
God, what a what a hero. God damn. But man, is that so damning of Gary Gensler. A quid pro quo agreement with FTX to hand over the keys of crypto to the SEC in exchange for preferential treatment and the ability for Sam to make his Sam coins, all of his like all of his like portfolio basically. The thumbs up from Gary Gensler. Wow, that does that's not a good look. That is uh, what uh, I think. If uh, I was a lawyer, Ryan, I would call that a bad fact. <laughs> that that sounds like a bad fact. We'll see as the evidence comes out. But um, if the evidence comes out and that proves to be the case, that is very damning. I think for the SEC and, and Gensler in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a clip from Kevin O'Leary mm-hmm. testifying at the Senate hearing, and uh, I think you've called this, David. This clip might be actually. The worst take of the year. One of the worst things a, I've heard this a, year. Should we play this? Hall Mountain to sorry. Uh, that is a if this is, Ryan, the worst take of the year, there's been a lot of bad takes this year. So let's let the listeners decide. Why do you believe FDX failed? I have an opinion. I don't have the records. Here it is. These two behemoths that own the unregulated market together and grow these incredible businesses in terms of growth. That's Binance and FTX. Each other. And one put the other out of business intentionally. Now, maybe there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe there's nothing wrong with love and war. But Binance is a massive, unregulated, global monopoly now. They put FTX out of business. No, they Bro. did not. Bro. No, what? they did not. What? Sam Bankman-Fried put himself out of business. Uh, Look, Binance, who knows what Binance was doing, but if SBF and FTX actually had the funds that they claimed to have, if they weren't playing around with depositors' money, a run on the bank wouldn't have been successful. How are you blaming that on Binance and CZ? I don't understand that take, David. CZ was like, he wasn't the whistleblower, but you don't blame the guy who expresses public criticism that accidentally tipped over a massive house of cards. The crazy thing is, is Kevin O'Leary was paid $15 million to be a public spokesperson, aka paid shill for FTX. Mr. O'Leary, I am going to inform you that FTX is not an institution anymore and SBF is in jail and you do not have to com- com- continue to fulfill your contract as the paid spokesperson and of FTX. You, probably, you can stop. That can be clawed back as well. Like yeah. You have no incentive to Give do this. Back. I don't know why you're trying to ruin your reputation what? in front of all of America, in front of the U.S. Senate by saying these ludicrous things. Absolutely but insane. David, but let's all just take some, like, let's all take some personal accountability. Mm-hmm. No one forced... Sam Bankman-Fried to steal depositors' funds. Right. No one forced him to do that. Mm-mm. That wasn't like some competitor playing dirty games. This right. is all Sam. Let's it's all Sam and and probably a few others who definitely enabled him. To really wrap this up, uh, I want to bring up this tweet from Anthony Cezano who t- uh, tweeted out: "SBF down, Suzu, Kyle Davies, and Doquan are hopefully next." Uh, I think this is the year of hopefully the, the reckoning, right? Like scammers infiltrated our industry in the last bull market. Uh, Suzu and Kyle Davies definitely committed fraud. Uh, Doquan, I mean, uh, algorithmic stablecoin. He didn't know. He definitely kind of knew. Uh, <laughs> but like, man, like let's get these people charged and in jail, please. We live in a society. 
yeah, uh, crypto definitely has to take out the trash a little yeah. bit and we have to have a purge. Um, we have to be introspective about, um, how this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, David on his way out, his parting gift. And I hope this is the last thing he leaves us. It turned out, we found out last Friday that SBF secretly funded the crypto news site, the block yeah. media institution. The way he did that was uh, pretty shady. Do you want to explain? Yeah, so the the news here is that the CEO of the block, Michael McCaffrey, uh, resigned after failing to disclose $43 million of loans from FTX to the block. These loans were apparently kept secret from the employees, as McCaffrey was the only member on the board of the block. Uh, One $16 million batch of funding from Alameda was used in part to finance the purchasing of an apartment in the Bahamas, one of those Bahamian real estates, for the block CEO, Mike McAfee. Uh, He has, again, since uh, stepped down. Uh, Morin, the chief, I I think, uh, revenue officer, finance officer of the block, has taken over McAfee's role as CEO and will look to restructure the block to buy out McAfee's stake in the company. This is was crazy to me, Ryan. The blo- the company, the block, isn't profitable, and I previously raised over four million dollars to support the company. Its revenue, mostly from ads and subscriptions, is expected to be about twenty million dollars this year. A source told uh, told Axio, who we are reporting with right now, um, and uh, so a couple quotes from people that worked at the block. Mike never asked me or anyone in research to cover FTX or SBF in any particular way, or anyone else for that matter. We had complete discretion in our job. So this is. Larry Cermak out of the block, who's who's generally very well respected in in the in the uh, crypto spheres. Uh, additionally, another uh, editor in chief, Sarah Copet, said, "I'm proud of the work our journalists have done, especially covering the follow of the XBX implosion." Uh, and then um, uh, continues in saying, "In my time, Mike has never had any undue influence on the newsroom. We've always been completely independent." Uh, Frank Shaparo, who is head of news at the, the block, I believe, also had some public statements. Basically, SBF secretly bought the block uh, and did a deal with the, the CEO, bought him a... a, a bribed him. Bribed him, basically. And then the employees of the block uh, f- uh, said that they all, no one knew any of this. Um, yeah, that's the news. Uh, yeah, that's the news. I, I do feel bad. I know there are people of integrity at the block. I feel bad for them. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they were caught by surprise by this, uh, and that has to be absolutely uh, devastating. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's terrible. It's bad for the industry. I mean, what was Sam planning to do with this crypto media institution that he kind of shadow owned through mm-hmm. shell companies and through bribes through the block CEO? You know it was for a purpose. You know there had to be some return on that investment in the form of good press because that's what he was up to in traditional media. Um, and to see that corruption take take hold in crypto media, you know, it, it was when I heard about this, David, I was like, it, it almost brought me down to those November lows when I was right. like just really Rex, upset yeah. about this whole thing because like, for so long we've been talking about, hey, uh, traditional media is not covering crypto the way it needs to be covered. Let's go crypto media. Crypto right. media. That's an answer to this. And um, you know, that's that's the flag that Bankless is carrying and like Defiance mm-hmm. and uh Blockworks and some others. Uh and then here we are, have one of the crypto media um publications just have, you know, corruption uh from from the inside out. And um yeah, yeah it's uh it's very unfortunate. I hope they get over this. I hope the good people at the block are are able to uh, kind of forge past this and and rebuild. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Quite. Uh, I, I do know that like Larry, uh, Steven, Frank, they all, uh, I've always thought that they were upstanding individuals. 
on net, the, some of the conversations in this space were, are like, yes, uh, they're, they're great investigative journalists. They're great at being impartial. But on net, like the block, the people at the block all did seem to, the, the, these are not my words, simp for Sam and the SBF coins. And like Mike Dudas, former owner of the block, big Solana bull. So there's like alignment with that now like kind of axis, the Sam coins FTX axis that like even though they appeared to be very like uh, forthcoming and, and um, uh, impartial, ethical. ethical, they also were like in that axis of, of crypto that was aligned with Sam. And so there's like it's we don't really know. know any of the details. It's hard to it's know. It's hard. True. It's very hard to know. Yeah. Who, and who knew what? Like it's kind of crazy. Like people pe- like people know about like the financials of a company like how how where do they think the money came from like why were any questions i don't know asked? i'm just has i i just don't know that's the thing no but, like knows. i will say one thing that um david my my kind of circle of trust has definitely contracted uh in crypto from what it used to be like i i mean mm-hmm. you crypto has always had this thing is like um verify don't trust right and i've always kind of lived by that but like as you get to know people, as you kind of meet these mm-hmm. institutions, you start to trust more and more people. That that circle of trust has like definitely decreased By a uh, lot, here lately yeah. for me personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. We'll just have to let long-term reputation speak for themselves and, and that'll be the true test. It's the Lindy effect. Yes. Um, yes. So the Block CEO has resigned. All right, what else we got? Um, we've okay, got- so Binance, Binance, the Binance bank run. Okay, so the Justice Department, Ryan, has turned their eyes over to Binance and apparently are weighing uh, the charges against Binance and its executives, whether or not they should charge them with stuff. And has this kinda- precipitated a bank run? Because this, yes. these charges are going in the press, and so people are like, "Uh oh, uh, Binance is the next to to, to um, mm-hmm. fall," and so they're starting like massive withdrawals from Binance. Uh, perhaps, yeah. So, U.S. Department uh, continuing to weigh up charges against crypto exchange giant Binance for possible money laundering and criminal sanctions violations, according to Reuters. Uh, and so, as a result of this, and I mean, see, I don't know if you've been following CZ lately, doing a lot of the whole like main main character thing. Uh, and so, as a result of that, there have been uh, all time high outflows of. Uh, out of Binance. Here's uh, Nick Carter, who t- also tweeted out, I'm not the arbiter of proof of reserves or anything, but I also find Binance's proof of reserves a bit questionable hmm. writing an article soon. Uh, and so there was an article out about uh, Binance's proof of reserves. Uh, and the, the headline of this article is Binance's alleged crypto audit failed. Not even its auditor would vouch for it. And the, the subtitle is Binance says an audit shows proof of reserves of customer funds, but its auditor will not vouch for the reserves nor the methodology demanded by by Binance. So this has, you know, people there very recent memory about the insolvency of exchange. And so as a result of this, there are the largest outflows out of Binance. 40,000 Bitcoin has flowed out of Binance in the last 24 hours uh, this week or so. Uh, and then, but also, Ryan, important to note that the remaining balance on Binance is 580,000 bitcoins. So 40,000 outflows, not that crazy. Uh, 200 to or 2.2 billion dollars of stable coins flew uh, outflowed out of Binance. The remaining balance is 20 billion. So while there are all-time highs of stablecoin outflows, there are 20 billion dollars of stablecoins reportedly left in Binance. And so like it's uh, people are doing the whole bankless thing, which is great. Uh, but I mean the if this is a run on the bank, it's a pretty weak one. 
Well, like if it, first of all, if it's a run on the bank and uh, Binance has all of the deposits, nothing to worry about. There's no such yeah. thing as a run on the bank because it's fully reserved. You only have to worry about run on the banks when it's a fractional system and yeah. Binance says they're not fractional. Yeah. But can you trust them? Can you trust any bank? We, what we say is if crypto bank, now your key's not your coin, use an exchange, then get out. That's how you should be mm-hmm. using these crypto exchanges. But then when you zoom out, and this is um, this is Nick Carter's tweet again, this, this is a bank run at Binance that you're all hyperventilating about. Like, look at the numbers here. It's, it's kind not of a like barely a, a blip. It's a blip, yeah. There's not really a Binance bank run. That's kind mm-hmm. of the thing. It's like kind of overplayed. Like just Bitcoin reserves are down, but they're down to like May levels, David. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, Binance reserves are almost at all time highs. ETH, uh, ETH reserves are it's, down you can't even to July <laughs> numbers, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is not really a, a thing. I think it's uh, much ado about nothing. But like, so far anyway but look i that's the thing but, with, but the, uh, do we know that those are the reserves we no. don't actually know are those is that on-chain data i don't know if that's on-chain data or not um yeah i like don't know for sure but so can you trust binance i mean go bankless uh can you trust any yeah. crypto exchange just just go bankless you, use these yeah. exchanges for, for what don't ask the question for. just withdraw <laughs> yeah just 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 go bankless um but also i do feel like there's some scrutiny here that is maybe just like you know, the, the nation state eye of Sauron saying, oh, we missed F- FTX, better not miss these right. guys. And what? Oh, they're they're a foreign company. They don't have public financials. They're non-US. US. Uh, mm-hmm. They must be shady. Don't like them. Uh, and so maybe there's some of that reaction going on too. So it's, it's hard to know at this stage, but we'll see. Hard, hard to know. All right. Well, that was all of the SBF exchange drama, all that stuff. That's over. Coming up next, MetaMask lands a huge partnership. We'll talk about that. Uh, and there is a lawsuit, Ryan, I don't know if you caught this this week, a lawsuit against basically every celebrity who owns a board ape. It's not looking good. Uh, and then they, we have the three arrows capital redemption arc, but it's coming to an end. I'm having none of it. Uh, and of course, Donald Trump launches an NFT collection. So I'm sure the listener is going to stay tuned for all of that right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors to help us go bankless. Biggest news of the week here, David, in my opinion. It's optimistic news. This is MetaMask tweeting out. Our U.S. users will now be able to fund their wallet with ETH via who? PayPal. PayPal. Rolling out in the U.S. in the next few weeks. PayPal plus MetaMask, a combination I didn't think would happen to like 2025 or beyond it's now available so you can get Mm -hmm. eth in your metamask wallet is that what this means that's exactly what this means and so i'm just loving how direct this flow of funds is so paypal uh, which hooks into your bank account and then hooks into your metamask address uh, and doesn't have to be your metamask address it can be your ledger inside of metamask so you can go from bank account to your ledger via the partnership between MetaMask and PayPal. Uh, the previous MetaMask onboarding, like on-ramps, have been like our crypto natives, like MoonPay, like Wire. Uh, I mean, it's hard to beat PayPal. Uh, I've always been frustrated by like how small that pipeline is from funds into through MetaMask. Credit card fees inside of MetaMask were like 2.5%. It's expensive. It's super expensive. That, involved, that, right? that pipe was super constricted. Now with a PayPal partnership inside of MetaMask, that, that flow of is just way bigger. Yeah, so. and look, you can skip you can skip the FTX yeah. in the middle. You don't even have to like, you just yeah. go from your bank directly to MetaMask. Yep. Uh, that's a great thing for Fiat on ramp into DeFi. Um, David, this is cool too. This is Yesterday was officially decided kind of the ETH governance world that EIP 4844, which is proto dank sharding, which just to remind you mm-hmm. scales layer twos on Ethereum 
absolutely massively. What is this like a 10x gain or is yes. this like a 10, 10x gain is like the floor. It's really it, it can be as high as 100x depending on on how 10 to 100x gain. And so it was decided that EIP 4844 will be included in Ethereum. That's official. Now, that's not the next Ethereum hard fork, right? I think mm-hmm. the next hard fork is probably still just going to There's be withdrawals. withdrawals. Yes which is good. We need that. But this could be a hard fork coming this year that we get EIP 4844. I think more work needs to be done. So there's no official timeline yet, but that's the possibility. There's, well, there's never any official timeline because that's how, that's, that's how we live our lives in Ethereum. But it is, uh, Liam who's privy to these conversations, Liam Horn at at Optimism. He says it will be in a fast follow hard fork after Shanghai. So no specific dates, but the roadmap is a fast follow. (laughs) Uh, Yes, as Gandalf says, a wizard is never late. Exactly. He arrives exactly. precisely on time. So does Ethereum uh, updates. What's this, David? We're looking so, yeah, at just more, more layer two stuff. Optimism has all time high in transactions yet again. Oh, God, that is just great. They're, the layer twos have been Going in up. a bull market, a transactional bull market ever since their existence. Did you know? Is anyone talking about it? Bankless no. is talking about it. Yes. Uh, Arbitrum and Optimism, when you add their transactions together, you almost get an equivalent amount of transaction volume as the Ethereum main chain itself. Uh, and that is just those two layer twos. When you add in the rest of them, all the, the network of layer twos on top of Ethereum, you auto, you automatically, you, you definitely get beyond uh, Ethereum layer one in transactional volume. Layer twos are just absolutely crushing it. There's always a bull market somewhere, like I like to say. Yes, uh, Vitalik said something similar too in our conversation with him uh, about bullishness on layer twos. Mm-hmm. It's coming out Monday. David, you were really excited about uh, this this Phi application. What is Phi? Yeah, so Phi underscore X Y Z on Twitter or Phi Land uh, is announcing that they main, main net is here. Uh, so what is Phi? It is like an evolution on DGen score. So what is DGen score? You would load up your wallet. It would give you a number, which would like give you a resume. It's like, how DGen are you? Like, what, what did you go? Like, what food farms did you ape into? Like, it's like a resume. Like, how, how much did you do on Ethereum? Uh, I remember, I think, talking to Van Spencer, actually. He was like, yeah, somebody, some applicant came into uh, framework offices and applied for a job. And he showed us like a DGen score of like four. Lower is better, by the way. That means you're the fourth most DGen person on Ethereum. And we hired him instantly. Anyways, um, so for on-chain resume, people, it's yes, on-chain resume. Okay, so Phi is a digital landscape. It's like an eight by eight grid, but but I'm sure you can make it bigger. And because of what your Ethereum address has done, uh, that you load up into Phi, you can uh, claim little units of land. Uh, And so, because I've traded on Uniswap, I have a little Uniswap trophy. Because I've traded a lot on Uniswap, I have a big Chad Uniswap trophy. Do you really? Can I I see yours? Yeah. Uh, Okay, so. you can see the one that I have at davidhoffman.eth. I'm not showing the one that is on my secret wallet. Uh, is it awesome? The one on your secret it's awesome. wallet? It's awesome. Yeah. I and know so, you really want to show that though. Yeah, I know. And so like the, the gas truck on the bottom right, the two by one gas this truck. This is yours. Based this is on mine. Your, this is mine. This is my uh, DeFi wallet. Web3 yes. traffic. Yeah. So I've used Optimism. I've used Uniswap. Some of these are free just to populate the land. Um, that gas truck on the bottom right, I got by spending more than one ETH on gas. Uh, the uh, open sea That's ship. not something to be proud of, David. <laughs> That's a waste. That you're wasting your ETH. You're spending it. You should be saving it. Sorry, brother. Uh, got, to, got to buy the NFTs. The, uh, the OpenSea uh, ship in the top left, I got that yeah. one for buying, like I think, five NFTs on OpenSea. This is awesome. Yeah, it's right. So it, it's a place of the way to visually showcase your on-chain activity. It's like your on-chain footprint. 
this is cool. And these look like chess pieces here. These are just apps yeah, those, those are used. those are actual call, actually called chess pieces. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're called chess pieces. This mm-hmm. is awesome. Uh, so how'd you get this like bank vault? Uh, that thing? one's a freebie. That one's just a, a free to, to populate your land. Yeah, uh, uh, that's the, that's the highest one. Is that yeah. like a dog on top of this building? This yeah. is really fun. Yeah, it's it's super cute. Uh, the the designer, uh, if you're if people are familiar with the Nouns ecosystem, uh, one of the same artists behind Nouns DAO. Uh, and so uh, it was like one of the first times like I've had fun on Ethereum in a really long time. And this also plays into one of the things that we're talking about with Vitalik on the show is like identity. This is an mm. identity application. Yeah, uh, this is th- what identity looks like when you separate it from the social security number. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is my identity. So <laughs> it's cool. No customer deposits, no yield, mm. just like a playing on a fun little cute little landscape. I thought it was pretty fun. That's pretty cool. We have a disclosure here too, don't we, David? Yes, we do have a disclosure. Both Ryan and I are investors in Fi, uh, uh, and so yeah. Now, proud, proud identity. investor, you know that that's yeah. a great app. Nice job, yeah. team. That's really cool. Uh, what about this DeFi central bank? That's what they call MakerDAO these days. Not quite a central bank. Yeah. Eh, whatever. It's a good name. They relaunched their one percent fixed yield for Dai holders. Mm-hmm. People are like, just one percent. I'm yeah. like, one percent, but like. You know, what more do you want? All the 8% yield we had is gone. It's gone into smoke. That's pretty Mm -hmm. darn expensive from a risk return perspective. Uh, This is back to old times, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Dai used to have an interest rate. Now it does again. Yeah. And it's also important that that 1% is not being paid for by somebody else that is being paid for by the protocol. Oh, no Ponzi? No Ponzi. No Ponzi. Yes. Back to fundamentals. You got to love it. Is that why it's only 1%? (laughs) Yes. Because it's sustainable. Yeah. Uh, So long-term DeFi Ethereum veterans will remember the DAI savings rate, which got turned off uh, as soon as interest rates inside of crypto uh, went to zero. Do you remember Uh, how juicy that baby was back in 2018? Yeah. It was was like 7 or 8%. Yeah because mm-hmm. yeah the die was trading below a peg for so long mm-hmm. is it, t- it traded down to like 94 cents or something anyways mm-hmm. the die savings rate is back you can get a uh, a risk free 1% and when i say risk free i mean no counterparty risk there's other risks out there like smart contract protocol risk, risk yeah. protocol risk but uh, in the same way that eth staking is risk free uh, makerdao's die savings rate is also risk free and that die savings rate is up to 1% anyways moving on a uh, tweet out of sazzle that i thought was really really cool it was talking about the you know how interest rates are, are turning over ryan like yes. starting to peak uh yes. daily ofac compliant blocks are oh. also turning over uh and so, i was told that would go to 100 percent and never yeah right change. yeah well we're so the non-ofac compliant blocks are on the up and sazzle puts out uh his little uh analysis as to why that's the case and it's because of so many so many of the things that just made me not really worry about censorship in the first place flashbots open sourcing their relay and builder infrastructure more non-censoring relayers coming online relayers accepting submissions from external builders uh and then also people using flashbots new innovation min bid uh the like ofac compliance has David. never been a, a real thing in ethereum do you know who's not worried away. about ofac compliance at all in ethereum uh Justin Drake. Oh, yeah. How do I know that? Bankless Bulls episode with Justin Drake, Drake, Anthony Sassano, and DC Investor that comes out the 26th. Let me tell you guys, it's bullish. It's very bullish. If you thought we were going to quit recording, putting out podcasts during the holidays, you thought wrong. I'm only getting more bullish. (laughs) (laughs) Bankless, don't stop. Uh, David. Big news here. All right. Big news. Big, 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 big. Of course, on Truth Social, 
Mm-hmm. This is a Donald Trump official announcement mm-hmm. that he is getting into the NFT market. Uh, good time to get in, I think, when the market's down, David, but he is rolling up a Trump digital trading card collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trump cards. Collect your Trump cards here for the low, low price of $99 per card. Uh, God, this, you can buy it, buy it via credit card. This, 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 <laughs> this looks very... is so perfectly built for Trump's base. This, uh, <laughs> this, uh, looks very, very, um, oh, sweepstakes bonuses. Uh, it, yeah, it's, you, you got it all here. I actually, if, I, if down, I saw David, this, if somebody sent me this, like NF as website, it's like, Hey, yo, should I buy this NFT? I'd be like, yo, yes. this is a scam, bro. Um, this but is a scam to, to each their own uh there he's pulling some some leafs out of gary v's book so if you there are certain nfts that you could buy uh miami dinner with donald trump spend a memorable evening in miami for an exclusive dinner hosted by trump uh, or you could get the mar-a-lago cocktail hour which is an nft of trump in a spacesuit experience a meet and greet with trump in his luxurious private palm beach resort Play golf with Trump and your friends. Join Donald on the green for an exclusive one hour of golf with your two mm. closest friends. Wow. Wow. I want the NFT that that makes it so he doesn't run for president again. <laughs> I don't think that NFT exists. I just love how all of these NFTs, like most of them, just have Donald Trump in an extremely ho- heroic outfit <laughs> and pose. This is influencer NFT world. Do you know? Okay, so um, this is deployed because I've read the FAQs on what is it which chain is it what chain polygon 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 got the trump (laughs) nfts um you know i'm just surprised it took trump so long yeah uh, honestly honestly, like yeah he feels it kind of feel like late to the game but you know to each their own trump Uh, nfts are here uh you can buy them of course he did not get the digital collectible memo he is still branding these things as nfts he did not oh, get really? the, the rebrand. Yeah, he forgot to rebrand. He, yeah. Trump still bullish NFTs. Yeah, still uh, bullish on NFTs. Bullish? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Question mark? I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. We got this. This is a story you want to dig into. Celebrity yeah. promoters yeah. sued over Bored Ape NFT endorsements. What is going on here? Mm-hmm. So we, we, I, we were always suspicious that these celebrities weren't intrinsically bullish on board apes uh it was much more likely that they were given a board ape and then they were able to talk about it in pop culture turns out it gets even more shady than that very much more shady uh so this particular suit names jimmy fallon gwyneth paltrow justin bieber madonna kevin hart stephen curry snoop dogg serena williams post malone the weekend and fallon's production company electric hot dog and universal tv those are the defendants. This is what who is being named in the suit and claims that most of them were recruited by talent manager Guy Osiri, who spearheaded a scheme with Yuga Labs to discreetly pay them for their endorsements through crypto firm MoonPay. So uh, Guy Osiri, he's a talent manager in Hollywood, talent manager for like all like many of the people I just listed, also Madonna and U2. And Osiri is allegedly linked to several of the celebrity promoters through their early investments in MoonPay. So by increasing the de- demand for board apes yacht clubs nfts and yuga labs ape coin crypto token the suit alleges that they also increased demand for MoonPay. so there is just this incestuous network of yuga labs MoonPay, and all of these celebrities like hey MoonPay, we're gonna give celebrities board apes and then we're also going to do that through your payment services and so we're going to pay celebrities for that through MoonPay to induce demand for MoonPay. we'll talk about MoonPay. uh <laughs> 
And so, quote from this article, Osiri, the Moonpay defendants, and the promoted defendants each shared strong motive to use their influence to artificially create demand for the Yuga securities, which in turn would increase use of wait, Moonpay's crypto wait, payment the service. Yuga securities? You know, they're calling them securities, yeah. Why uh, would they, like the NFTs are securities? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, well, well, Yuga Labs is being, being I'm, I'm on board with that one. Like, it's kind of hard to argue that they're not. NFTs? Um, You're yes. on board with... Wait, you're on board with bored apes being securities, David? Because, well, it's kind of hard to defend that they're not when they have the whole entire uh, bored ape ecosystem and the bored ape is like an ownership stake over the bored ape metaverse. Yeah, it doesn't look good. I wouldn't want to be the lawyer having to defend that I understand that the, like, the ownership property, but like, how can an NFT, like, why is, why is a board ape different than an Axie, for, for example? Because, an because Axie Infinity the, or a collectible, like a sword. Like, you know, Gensler wants to make everything a security, right, David? Yes, but, it's because like the uh, Yuga Labs is making this board ape ecosystem, this board ape universe. And so it's very claimable that as Yuga Labs, a centralized party, uh, the efforts of this centralized party is going going to increase the value of a board ape bet whether or not they can execute on making the board ape metaverse or not that is kind of a security but gary would make that claim about eth too and he would call that a security well then we get into the nature of client teams like client teams are different than yuga labs i don't know i i think this one is i again all i'm saying is i would not want to be the lawyer who has to defend that that's not true anyways i want to go back to the story uh and so uh at the same time, Osiri could use MoonPay to obscure how he paid his off his celebrity cohorts for their direct or off-label promotions of the Yuga financial products. Uh, in an episode of The Tonight Show on November 11th, 2021, Fallon promoted MoonPay and the Bored Ape NFT collection by announcing that he got his first NFT through the crypto firm, which bills itself as a white glove service designed to help celebrities buy digital assets. He did not disclose that he had a financial stake in MoonPay. To me, mm. that's the big piece, honestly, yeah. is the disclosure is you have to disclose, right? Promotions yeah. are one thing, but like you have to separate what's a promotion and what's not. Mm -hmm. And when you're paid and what's not, I think that's the first thing. 100%. Whether this thing's a security or not, that's a bridge too separate, far separate for me. Separate. That's not, that's not what the story uh, personally. is. That's not what the story is. Uh, but, but you yeah. also like look at the net effect of this. What were the brands of Bored Apes, like the Bored Ape community holders? Like, why do I have this, like, anti-Bored Ape resistance? It's because uh, Bored Apes are known to, like, lose their private keys and get fished all the time because they're normies. Uh, and so if we, with the, sorry to all the proud Bored Ape holders, that's kind of the brand of a Bored Ape holder. And so all of these celebrities are promoting Bored Apes to, like, their, like, you know, mainstream normie but audience. But isn't that what we want? Like, mainstream adoption? That's what we want, though, David. I mean, I'll yeah, push back on that, through, too. Yeah, but not not through secret paid chills. Not through right? that. 100% yes. guarantee. Right. And so it, like, like it onboarded a cohort of people who weren't ready to go bankless. And then they paid a ton of money for their board apes. And then they got fished because they like the, the connections between the novice nature of board ape holders and the fact that there was a ton of celebrity endorsements. That connection is really strong for me. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I'll have to let this one sit. But um, I do. I The thing that it's very clear to me is there needs to be a complete transparency yeah. around what is provided as promotional and, and what's not. It, it very much seemed like when I watched the Fallon show that like Fallon was like, I'm bullish NFTs and I've been mm -hmm. board eight pilled and I bought this thing. And like, if there was some knowledge or disclosure mm -hmm. that there was a, a payment for that, that it was actually a sponsorship right. Right. Then uh, I'm bullish board apes sponsored by board apes. Yeah, mm. exactly. Um, yeah. That's the thing that sticks out to me. 
Speaking um, of promotion, <laughs> bankless <laughs> NFTs are here. So we've been going through the Genesis collection. Uh, we originally minted uh, the SBF versus Eric Voorhees episode, and then we did the crypto renaissance. And then last week, we did the ownership economy with Lee Jin. Uh, and so there's five Genesis collections. Three of them have been released. They have all sold out inside of four blocks. And the fourth of fifth is going live today. This is... Bankless at promoting our own NFTs. So disclaimer. Disclaimer. These are yeah. And actually, so I got my first one last time, David. I actually oh, got, yeah, managed you got to get one, into right, the right, Legion. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the next one has also been released. It is one of my favorite episodes oh, yeah, of all time. Of course. Ultra, Ultra sound, sound money, money with Justin Drake. With Justin Drake. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. is happening. And 10% of the proceeds go to wherever Justin Drake wants. I forget who did he select? to ultrasound.eth. And so uh, 10% of the revenue and the royalties is going to help develop... Ultrasound.money, is that right? Uh, The address is ultrasound.eth, and then that goes to the ultrasound.money website. So if you buy the Dress and Drake Ultrasound uh, Money podcast collectible, uh, 10% of the royalties and and mint revenue goes to pay for the development of ultrasound.money. My friends, this website will sustain us all through the bear market. Uh, Do not worry. This website is eternally bullish. Uh Um, That link is collectibles.bankless.com. I believe the mint goes live noon uh, Eastern West. No, noon. Noon East. East noon, yep. noon Eastern. Yep. EST. Cool. Um, yep. All right. We got some more bad boys to tie off before bad boys, this whole bad boys. SBF thing is over. So we, what, where are Kyle Davies and Suzu hanging out these days? I think I need a membership uh, to uh, look at this article. Sure. But Vaporized One Trillion was the title in the, uh, in the New Yorker, I believe. New York Magazine, rather. Um, where are Kyle Davies and Suzu hanging out, David? Uh, they're probably, I think, in Dubai. They're in Dubai. Uh, okay. So some some of the parts of this article I think are entertaining, I will say, uh, <laughs> and so uh, and so I'll read off parts of this uh, parts of this uh, this article. Uh, her, as in her, the boat uh, would be captains showed off pictures of the fifty million dollar vessels at parties, bragging that it would be quote bigger than all of the richest billionaires' yachts no, in Singapore, didn't. and described plans to adorn the staterooms with projector screens, creating a waterborne gallery for their growing collection of digital art in the form of NFTs. Cool. Wow. Is that not the most toppy top signal of all time? This super yacht was the largest by well-established boat builder San Lorenzo ever sold in Asia, a triumph of Crypto Nouveau's reach. I don't know, Nouveau reach? Crypto's uh, Nouveau reach. Nouveau uh, reach, yeah. That's like the new rich. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Sick. It represents the beginning of a fascinating journey. Uh, The name of the buyers had in mind was cleverly chosen, an inside joke nodding to the cryptocurrency Dogecoin that would both thrill their social media acolytes and would be intelligible to all the pathetic poor no-coiners out there. The name of the boat, of course, much wow. Uh, That's actually not a crypto meme. That's just the normal Doge meme, but whatever. Yeah, they co-opted it. Yep. Uh, okay, last paragraph. Her buyers, again, her, the boat, Suzu and Kyle Davies, two Andover graduates who ran a Singapore-based hedge fund called Three Arrows Capital, never got the chance to spray champagne across much wow's bow. Instead, in July, the same month the boat was set to launch, the duo filed for bankruptcy and disappeared before making their final payment, marooning the unclaimed trophy in her breath in La Sesbia on the Italian coast. 
Uh, and I want to just pull out two quotes from an article that Suzu and Kyle Davies said, because they, Ryan, were, if you are, have been watching them on Twitter, were trying to go through some sort of redemption arc with SPF. Uh, as soon as SPF was, was uh, you know, being dragged through the coals on crypto Twitter, Suzu and Kyle Davies came out of hiding on Twitter and started also trying to drag SPF through the coals. Uh, and then crypto Twitter was absolutely having none of it. It's like, wait, no, you guys are criminals too. <laughs> we haven't uh, forgotten. It's only yeah, like yeah, we know who you a are. Few months, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and so, two quotes that they have tweeted, both tweeted out uh, or put into an article. Um, Suzu, it's a long story, but we were scammed just like you guys. That is a quote from <laughs> Suzu. Uh, and then also, Kyle Davies, we understand that FTX hunted our positions, mm. taking so absolutely fault. no FTX's responsibility fault. whatsoever, saying it was Sam. Gross. We, we just got screwed just like you guys. We're just a bunch of normies just like you guys who got axed by SBF. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, this is Nick Carter's take uh, calling uh, Suzu and Kyle Davies carbon copies of FTX. Yeah. Uh, because that's exactly, uh, excuse me, of SBF. Uh, because what what were they doing? They are refusing to talk to liquidators, but also doing a press tour on crypto Twitter, trying to like report re, re, like carbon copies of yeah. SBF, mini SBF. Yeah. Well, SBF is in jail, so mm-hmm. I don't know what the what the next yeah. destination is. Um, Put but him in jail. It does seem like Do Kwan is in Serbia right now, yeah. so not in uh, in South Korea. So I he keeps, every time I've seen him tweet, I haven't looked in a while, but over the past few months, he said, it's like, I'm fine. I'm right here. Like, you know, if the authorities mm-hmm. want to come talk to me, I'm, I'm right here. I'm just in my house. Uh, reports that are, he, he is in Serbia. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, the country that's harder to extradite from. I, I'm sure if you're in South uh, Korea. Yes. So. Yes. In, in Serbia, which, you know, kind of formerly a gulag. So it's not like a nice place to be, uh, also wanted by Interpol. Wow. Well, there we go. This is the bad boys on the run. Something else that floated by my desk this week was uh, a bill by Senator Elizabeth Warren and uh, Senator Marshall. This is a Republican-Democrat combo. It's probably the most significant attack on digital freedom I've ever seen. Uh, one of the things this bill does is anti-crypto bill. It turns validators into money services business. They all have to be AML, KYC, register in all the states, register with all of the different places you need to register financially. It completely outright, David, bans financial privacy. So you know that whole tornado cash thing? It's like if you, on-chain privacy, mixers, all of it, it's explicitly named uh, no can do. By the way, they get the level of detail right here. Like, look at this in this um, money service. They're talking about MEV searchers. They use that term in the draft bill. Validators, other independent network participants, they know exactly what they're targeting. That's a 400 level term. Totally. I mean, they probably listened to Bankless in in order to like craft a bill (laughs) like this. Um, And what this does is it turns America into a full-on surveillance state. So my my comment here in the the tweet was, this is how Western democracies die. I really feel strongly that if we institute this type of bill, like we're goners. We're going the way of like other surveillance uh, countries, authoritarian countries, like the way of China, that sort of thing. Now, what's interesting about this kind of bill is because like I'm not in capital hill does this bill actually have a chance and i think that's where the second order analysis really really comes into this uh and so you know we tweeted about it back and forth including inviting elizabeth warren on the bankless podcast and by the way 
anyone from Elizabeth's office, you guys are listening right now. We'd love to talk to Senator Warren about this bill and about crypto. We're not shadowy super coders. Like this is David in a subway photo. Um, this guy does not look like a criminal to me. Um, like we're friendly. We're happy to have a, a debate or a conversation or anything else you'd like. But the question to Jake Travinsky is, is this bill like really a thing or, mm-hmm. uh, like what is this? Um, and he says, no, it has no chance whatsoever on Capitol Hill. Um, he, he says, and I quote, this is sort of her thing, talking to Elizabeth Warren, exploding, exploiting unrelated news to make headlines with crypto crackdown bills, each one more extreme than the last one, to keep the outrage machine humming. For example, earlier this year, Russia invades Ukraine, let's ban, ban crypto. <laughs> so that's the thing. I mean, like- Crypto, the thing that put body armor on Ukrainian citizens. Yeah. At first. Like, at some level, I felt like I needed to respond to this, right? We need to take a stand and just like, but at another level, it's kind of playing into her game, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like turning, our politicians have turned into influencer clout chasers, haven't they? Fortunately, Jake. this bill, according to Jake, does not have a chance whatsoever. Yeah. So it's not a real threat, but this kind of posturing uh, right. is, I think, a threat. Uh, anyway, don't have to be worried about this bill specifically, but we have to be ever vigilant, I think, against these sorts of things. I have no idea why a senator would think this is a good idea or is uh, at all why, why it would have anything to do with American values. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's the take. Yeah, I wonder how many just wasted man hours went into producing this bill so Elizabeth Warren could just wave it around. But I don't really want to explore that question anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's explore some raises this week. Block raises. Native, they raised $15 million. Uh, Block Native is one of those, I guess, not M- MEV searchers. <laughs> it provides the data to MEV searchers. <laughs> uh, Block Native is like a, the pre-chain layer, the mempool infrastructure. If you're an MEV searcher or block builder, you would probably tap into uh, Block Native. Still um, getting funded. Still and getting here's funded, another thing yeah. Ms. Warren wants to, uh, Senator Warren wants to ban, which is on-chain privacy. What's this, mm-hmm. David? Yeah, ASEC raises $100 million to build an encrypted Ethereum. So uh, ASEC is like a private layer two. It is a ZK, ZK roll-up. That is two layers of ZK uh, to allow you to have scale and privacy. And so it's like a, a VPN. You put your money in Aztec, and then ASEC goes and yield farm on the layer one on your behalf. So it's like a private VPN for Ethereum. Do you know, Pretty cool. you know a way to describe this is encrypted Ethereum as another way to mm-hmm. describe this. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, disclaimer, both uh, Block Native and Aztec, Ryan and I are investors in. Bloop. Yeah, we're, we're excited. Also, jobs, guys. It's our weekly time to remind you that there are still jobs in crypto. It's mm-hmm. a great place to be during the build market. Alchemy is hiring a back-end engineer. Uniswap is hiring a senior front-end engineer. A Diagram Ventures needs an associate uh, for crypto venture creation. Rabbit Hole needs business ops and strategy lead. Diagram needs a senior principal, again, for crypto venture creation. MakerDAO is hiring legal counsel. You guys can find all of that at the bankless.palette.com job site. David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, we got some hot takes out of crypto Twitter, which are nice and hot this week. Uh, <laughs> and then Ryan and I got what we are bullish on moving forward into 2020, uh, 2023. And then two memes of the week, I think. Two weeks? Two memes double of the week? Meme. Double, memes. double meme. Two memes of the week this week, right locked. after we talked to some of these fantastic tools to help you go bankless from our sponsors. All right, guys, a take of the week. Here's one for me. You want to read it out, David? Yeah. Ryan Tron Adams says, DeFi has proof of reserves built in. Perhaps we should try that. You what know a crazy funny? thought. What a crazy it's, thought. Look, the, uh, the way out, the way forward has been in front of us the whole time. It's yes. like DeFi hasn't been tried and, and found failing. It's Mm-mm. been like 
not tried fully. <laughs> we have the answer. <laughs> it's called DeFi. Enough. This yes. is proof of reserves built in. Right. Uh, and so pretty bullish that we'll be able to rebuild on that kind of a foundation moving forward. Here's a take from Vance Spencer. David, read it out. Yeah, Vance Spencer says, really feel like there's a lot of innovation happening in DeFi right now. Uh, and then he follows and says, people are asking for examples. Yeah. Uh, and so he gives them payment for order, order flow protocols. That's uh, something like- MEV stuff. MEV stuff, yes. Manifold finance is my, what he might be referring to there. Liquid staking, hockey stick growth, NFT royalty experimentation, regionalized slash verticalized DeFi, layer two DeFi ecosystems, low latency use cases, and better front ends and wallets. And so these are the things that Vance has identified as getting a bunch of development right now. I'm super excited about the better front ends and wallets coming. Yeah, I think that's going to make big, onboarding big a lot easier. Account, abstraction, smart contract wallets. Please, 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 I want hundred percent. Um, what about this take from Fubar saying Fubar, crypto yeah. UX is too complicated in sarcasm quotes, I think. And he's got a picture of what, uh, you know, where you place in your credit card. So name on card, credit card number, CCV code, expiration date, billing zip, but that's not all Ryan. If you continue, there's uh, also uh, more, uh, creating a wallet is confusion confusing well here is the uh, treasury direct to spin up an account with the treasury i guess uh it is like tax id number email address bank account and routing number password password reminder personalized image caption security questions uh and then here is i think a bloomberg terminal with a quote (laughs) no one cares enough to learn learn etherscan look at this image and tell me that that just image makes sense to you like get the hell out of here that's ridiculous (laughs) Uh, and so I think uh, the part message is that, yes, crypto UX is confusing because you haven't used it before. As soon as you use it, it becomes super intuitive. Uh, yeah. Do you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago when I was talking to like the 18 year old um, founders of Instap, uh, you know, who, who grew up in India mm-hmm. and they were basically like, do you know what we don't understand is like banks and right. traditional financial services. You know, what's super easy. Crypto. Crypto, yeah. MetaMask, DeFi, mm-hmm. they're just growing up with these things. Uh, yeah, I don't think banking UX is better. No, it's awful. I it's mean, the crypto UX is terrible. Sign in with Ethereum, click a button, hit a mm-hmm. proof and pay. Done. Right. This is going to yeah. get a lot better over the next few years as well. I'm 100%. bullish on that. 100%. Uh, this is a take from me. Uh, Ryan, you want to read it? Yeah. The last cycle is drawing to a close. David says the dawn of the next cycle is upon us. Wow. That sounds very uh, epic. I feel like I want to charge into battle with you after this. (laughs) Where are we going? Where's the battle, David? What do you mean? Oh, I mean, I think you can take this one at face value. Uh, SBF is in jail. Three hours capital is on the run. Do Kwan is in Serbia. Like yields are at zero. I mean, like, there's not much left to do. Like the contagion is gotta be. We, at you the mean end. we've taken out the trash? We've taken it's- out the trash. Yeah, and 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 we are identifying bullish sectors. Again, optimism, Arbitrum, all-time high transaction volume. Still got the zk uh, EVMs and Starkware and all of this stuff. Uh, uh, some things are up and to the right, while the other things that are down and to the right are coming to a conclusion. I think that I'm declaring. January 2023 will be the time where we can look forward and consider us in a new cycle, the beginning of the new cycle. Yeah. New cycle. So it yep. was a super cycle all along, huh? It was, it was not it was, a super cycle. It was always a super cycle for building though, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> can we say that? <laughs> always a builder cycle. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah. So what are you bullish on? Yeah. And so looking at our notes, I think you and I were both impacted by this Vitalik podcast that we recently recorded. Mm. Um, and I'm bullish on, adults 
structure <laughs> and agency. <laughs> and wow. so these were, these were some of the themes that I think came out of my head while, while we were talking to Vitalik. David's bullish on responsibility. Responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, one of the big themes that Vitalik has was like, yeah, like it's crypto small enough where people can impart agency upon it. You listener can change the direction of crypto. And that is one of the reasons why I got into this space personally in the first place was that crypto was small enough and I had enough ideas that I could help shape and direct crypto. And we need more clearly out of 2022, more good adults who can build stable foundations and stable structures and believe in themselves to tilt this industry for good. One of the big quotes that's always impacted me out of Chris Berniski was that the uh, plasticity of crypto, the window of plasticity of crypto is not infinite. There will be a time where we can't really change this industry in a direction that is good for us all. And so I'm bullish, Ryan, on people that are responsible, that are actually building something for the other in- parts of this industry to latch onto. And I mean, I think I think we have done a, a bang up job building Bankless. And so, Ryan, I'm bullish on Bankless because we have so many goddamn plans in 2023 that you're starting to tease them out. Uh, launch the acquisition of Earnify, uh, Bankless Collectibles, a new website coming soon. There's other things that are on the horizon. Cough, cough, NFT. Uh, and so, there's a bunch of cool stuff that we are trying to do because god damn it we want to build structures for other people to also leverage and use and so uh bankless media is going great i'm excited to do this more into the future i love by the way that the guy in the spongebob uh, sweaters <laughs> is telling me how bullish he is on adults and responsibility <laughs> <laughs> it's just perfect and i will say well David, i'm not in jail so i get to say that <laughs> okay that's fair fair uh and look man if you were in jail we'd still be doing this podcast some somehow i'd i'd find a way yeah, I'd, sure. I'd i'd visit you and we'd you know we'd, if i, we'd if I was in up. jail i would hope that it wasn't for a reason to uh it would be uh, because the the you know the us has gone pretty bad to yes, you know like yes. it, it would be something like this yeah. um look but man you stole mine mine was agency too yeah i'm bullish on that you know yeah. uh instead of that maybe i'll maybe i'll say something else kind of riffing off of what you said which is mm-hmm. um what a way to impact the world I don't know if I give off like a like a politician vibe sometimes or something. Mm. Maybe it's the glasses, but um, <laughs> I, I can't tell you the amount of people who have said, "Are you like when? So when are you going to get into politics? Are you going to do something in politics?" Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that. I'm in politics. Yeah, like this is political. This crypto yeah. movement is is political, and it's a movement where it's small enough and it's early enough. Uh, and it's important enough that we can have a massive impact politically. And this is like a much pure manifestation of my values than at least in the US, you got to pick Republican or, or Democrat. I'm like, no, thanks. Right. I'll pick like um, anti-authoritarian. I'll yeah. pick that. Where's the party that like, I'll do Your that thing. Personal agency. Yeah. How you the, like, like the how protocol, you like adjectives? <laughs> like those things, I'll do that, but that's not represented in a party. Guess what? These values are represented in crypto. And yeah. this is why I think... I'm super bullish entering 2023 that the riffraff is gone, right? Like not mm-hmm. all of them. I mean, like uh, Justin Sun's still hanging out here somewhere. I think Richard Hart's like just, you know, Twerking in my somewhere. tweets lurking. Like they're not all gone, but there's been a lessening of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that feels really good because it allows the adults, the people who um, care about these values to keep building the system that we've been building this entire time. And for it not to our work to get crowded out by the noisy ones, uh, so look, agency is is mine too, and yeah. um, impact. I think yeah. maybe that's the other word I would add to this fray. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. and, and I think this is alpha because at the end of the 2018 bear market, the destruction that was 2018, you saw structures starting to get created. Uniswap V1 came out in like uh, February of 2019. MakerDAO died. The, the original die savings rate came out in 2018. Is like And so now there's still plenty of structure left over. DeFi is still holding up just great. And now there's more la- structure to latch onto. Come, settle, and build your structure in this space. And be a keep on going from there and, and just settle in. Be a settler. Uh, be a settler. All right, here we go. Memes of the week. We got two. This is great, David. <laughs> what are we looking at? Uh, Describe so the is, template. <laughs> this is the, the Wojak meme where things just get worse and worse and worse. So you have like <laughs> kind of the bleary-eyed, like scrappy beard uh, yeah. Wojak. Starts bad. He, He's asking how much how how much worse can it get? And we've got uh, Alex Mashinsky flexing his "banks are not your friends" shirt. I'm like totally right, great shirt. Uh, and it's like oh oh god. Uh, and then the next one it's like even more wiry hair, even more blurred eyes. And again, the question is how much worse can it get? You, then you got Suzu and Kyle Davies, and then it just continues like uh, an insane looking Wojak. How much worse can it get? You got Sam Bankman Fried followed by DCG and Gary Silbert, and then the block really just drives this home. And at this point, you are just watching some like ring version of wojack and it's how much worse can you get and it's the block sitting I'm on top of you, cash the block almost dragged me down again to Dude. the depths of sadness of november Dude, I, what crypto it, it didn't last but like yeah that was like you know that was rough crazy um mm-hmm. yeah that's uh that's a sad meme but also tells a story how about this meme actually this is not a meme <laughs> this is a real a this, this is, the front, is the front page of the new york post uh it's a picture of sbf What's yep. the caption here? Uh, uh, SBF with his, uh, you know, his hair just all over the place. Big, big, bold letters. Harry Plotter. <laughs> Harry Plotter. Nice. New York nice. Post. All right. Uh, let's, let's, let's fade us out. I'll do disclaimers, but we got a pretty fresh meme. That we, uh, sorry. Moment oh of my Zen, God. Right? We have the best moment of Zen Ooh. you have ever heard. It is a full length song. It is great. Uh, I think that if you are hearing this now, listener, uh, you have earned your stripes. You have earned your battle scars. You have completed your first cycle. And this is uh, your reward. And this is your reward. This moment of Zen is for you. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy, guys. I uh, got to fade out with this. None of this has been financial advice. Never is. Crypto is risky. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Cyclers, your life's about to change. You're probably for the worst, cause it'll take hold and won't let you get away. And your friends don't want to talk about crypto all day. Oh, you're gonna feel late no matter when you came. So don't feel bad, we all felt the same. You'll go through phases, the money, the tech. You'll learn Moloch and probably lose respect for your government. Hey, they're just people too, and incentive alignment's what we're here to do. So you're in luck, you've joined something great. We're gonna change the world with what we create. So welcome to all of you first cyclers. Your life's about to change, you're probably for the worst. Cause it'll take hold and won't let you get away. And your friends don't want to talk about crypto all day. you're here and we hope you have fun cause you'll never get out once you've begun just do your research and don't ape in yet or you might get blown up by bitconnect or algorithmic stable coins or 80,000 percent apy ponzi's or shady crypto banks or a bridge hack or ofac or gary fucking gensler or fake icos or pump and dump youtube personalities or alt layer one rock pullers 
or asshole mercenary crypto fund managers that sound a little like me smero SBF, etc. So, welcome to all of you first cyclers. Your life's about to change, and probably for the worse. Cause it'll take hold and won't let you get away. And your friends don't want to talk about crypto all day. I know it all sounds confusing what people say. Well, you're still new, so that's okay. You know you're doing better when you understand. Curveballs, hash rate, tornado cash, banded why a cartoon with a dick for an ass is worth two trips to Europe. Flying first class, US relayers can be coerced. But attestation censorship is way fucking worse. But we do ASF, so it'd be alright. And they'd have circle, but we'd have die rise. Even better at LUSD, we're decentralizing the world and we'll succeed. So welcome to all of you first cyclers. Your life's about to change, and probably for the worst. Cause it'll take hold and won't let you get away. And you'll end up on crypto Twitter all day, every day. 